Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture, presented by Cape and Cowl Comics. I am Henry Liu, and today I am joined once again by Porfirio Rangel. Porfirio, how's it going? It's going good, Henry. It's a nice Hallow's Eve day. It's a nice day to talk about comics and horror movies for a change today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been discussing this for a while now, having a horror-themed episode, and here we are. We're going to finally do it. It's the right time of year. Like you said, Halloween is right on the doorstep, and um, we're going to talk some horror movies. Um, One might ask, why talk about horror movies in a comics-themed podcast? Well, to me... I think it's totally appropriate because this superhero craze that we currently live in was really preceded by horror comics. You know, superhero comics were preceded by horror comics. This is a fact. Um, So there's definitely some history there. Yeah. Um, So this uh, silver age of comics um, where superheroes really came to the forefront. Um, That era, sometimes known as the Marvel Age also, um, that era was really preceded by horror comics. You know, these great comics creators like Steve Ditko and Jack Kirby, they worked in horror comics before they worked on the legendary titles we are aware of now like the Fantastic Four and Spider-Man and all that, right? Um, yeah, like that era, the, so I'm talking about the 60s, you know, the 60s was the Marvel age, the birth of the Fantastic Four, of the X-Men, of Spider-Man, Thor, Iron Man, all that. Um, that was preceded by horror comics and the proof is is very obvious, you know, like if you're a comics collector, this is this is always pretty interesting to me. You look at the first appearance of uh, key characters. This is very telling. You know, the first appearance of Thor. You know, it wasn't Thor number one, right? His first appearance was in the comic Journey into Mystery. So it sounds like a weird title for a superhero comic because... It wasn't meant to be a superhero comic when it started. It was meant to be a horror comic. Uh, Similarly, Iron Man's first appearance, Tales of Suspense, another horror comic. The first appearance of Doctor Strange was in a comic called Strange Tales, yet another horror comic. You know, and this is pretty common for uh, back then, you know, a horror comic that would transition into becoming a superhero comic. Right, so we're talking about a direct preceding of superhero comics, right? Horror comics transitioned into superhero comics. Um, you know, a big part of it was like that was the trend, like comics trended from horror to superheroes. Um, but I think it's cool to recognize that all this stuff that we're loving right now, this superhero phenomenon that's happening. Um, It all kind of came from horror, you know? All these great comics creators, they did horror before they did superheroes, right? Um, So absolutely, I wanted 
to call that out. I think it's interesting too that right now you look at a lot of the comics adaptations. There are horror elements in them.、Um, you know, I think last episode we talked a little bit about The Walking Dead. That's a horror comic book, right? That, that's kind of proof positive that horror and comics are intertwined. Yeah. Right?、Mm-hmm. And I think they are forever intertwined and forever connected, right? Yeah.、Um, that's a pretty obvious example.、Um, you look at movies, current movies and upcoming movies like Venom and New Mutants,、um, both of those projects have a horror element to them. Right.、Uh, so, yeah, horror and comics are certainly connected for sure. Okay. So, we're going to go much deeper into horror movies soon.、Uh, but before we do that, let's do what we normally do a little bit of geek news. What do you got for us, Porfirio? Well, Henry, since we last recorded our podcast, there have been some huge stories to mention. Okay. The first is the cancellation of two Marvel Netflix shows, Iron Fist and Luke Cage. Yeah. Iron Fist was canceled first on October 12th, with Luke Cage following a week later on October 19th. Yeah. Both shows were given the boot after two seasons. It is unclear yet why these shows were pulled, but fans have speculated because it's Disney's move to pull these shows away from Netflix and bring them onto the, you know, their new streaming service. Yeah. And another thought people have come up with is that it creates a path for a Heroes for Hire spinoff featuring the two characters. Yep. Whatever the reason, at least fans can enjoy the recent release of season three of Daredevil, which. We'll go into detail in another episode, and I still need to catch up on.、Mm-hmm. Um, that was shocking to me. Yeah, I think there was an initial shock with both announcements. You know, this is pretty recent. Today is Tuesday, October 23rd, so this is kind of hot off the presses, right?、Um, and yeah, initially it was a bit shocking, but after the dust settled a bit, I think. There is a big silver lining here, right?、Um, there definitely is a sense that these two characters will live on in some aspect in the future, whether it's a new Disney streaming service or a team up show. You know, I just have that feeling. You know, I think Finn Jones himself posted on social media that this is a new beginning. You know, it's sort of vague, but it definitely seemed like there's something else coming for Iron Fist, and I get the exact feeling from Luke Cage. And, you know, I think we've spoken on this particularly before about how, you know, I wouldn't mind these two shows ending if it meant a team up show of Heroes for Hire afterward, you know?、Mm-hmm. To me, that's even better, I think, you know?、Uh, so I'm not, I'm not too sad right now. I, I think、um, I'm feeling kind of good about this. I, I just have this feeling that not only Luke Cage and Iron Fist, but also Colleen Wing and Misty Knight are going to live on somewhere, you know?、Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, yeah, stay tuned, you know? Like, I, I've, I've 
followed these news items pretty closely and it just seems like there's something uh, coming. There's something to follow with, yeah. with these characters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, real quick, also, um, I wanted to say how Netflix tends not to cancel shows. Uh, so for them to cancel Iron Fist and Luke Cage, two of the higher profile shows on Netflix, that to me tells me that something is coming. Like, they wouldn't just cancel these shows just for the heck of it. I have a feeling Disney is influencing this they're like we want these characters on our streaming service so maybe a little bit of coercion you know go ahead you can keep daredevil and jessica jones or whatever and the punisher uh but give us these characters we want them as cornerstones of our new streaming app something like that you know Mm -hmm. that's my sense i've also read like there's like different news outlets that say that it was due to, like, creative differences behind the scenes to why the shows were canceled. Hmm. But I've read, like, lots of theories to, like, low viewership of these two shows. Yeah. And also, you know, like you were saying about Netflix doesn't really cancel those shows. Like, they recently yeah. made, like, a statement saying that they're going to invest $2 billion on original content. Mm-hmm. I saw so, that. I'm just like... Yeah, you're going to invest money on shows that you're canceling. Like, they're canceling this, Orange is the New Black, which is doing really good. But I guess, I don't know, some shows got to come to an end to make rise for new upcoming shows. I I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not buying that whole thing about, you know, the viewership was down, so we need to end it. That's like old school network TV. You know, there's stuff on Netflix that nobody watches and it's still and they still continue on, right? Yeah. They're not gonna shut down Iron Fist and Luke Cage because they have low viewership. I, I don't buy that at all. You know, I really think it's Disney's influence here. I think Disney wants these two properties. They wanna do uh some cool shit with their their new service, their new streaming service. Um that's what I think uh that's where I that's where I think this is headed. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, on our next topic, since this is a comics podcast, I thought it would include some news of some comic series. And there's like a warning for anyone who's planning on reading these titles, so spoilers up ahead. Okay. And Nightwing issue number 51, the writers made a major change to the character by changing Dick Grayson's name to Rick Grayson. Now, there's been no comment on whether or not this change is permanent, but nevertheless, you know fans, they're quick to slam the writers. And whenever, you know, there's a typical change to the favorite character. And speaking of change, in the recently release of Shuri issue number one, Wakanda's princess steps up to take the Black Panther mantle. This isn't the first time in Shuri has done so, but with T'Challa's yeah. absence also in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, this could be some foreshadowing done by the studio of what we can see for from this character for future films. Who knows? Uh, interesting. Okay. Um, so going back to the uh, Dick Grayson thing, this does smell of publicity stunt a little bit. You know, like... You knew they were going to get a reaction from changing the name, right? Like, uh, like just like showing Batman's penis. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's dick related, <laughs> right? So, yeah, it just smells of 
publicity stunt a bit. Um, you know, I guess there's a logical reason why they might be doing that. Like, no one calls himself Dick anymore. It's an old school kind of name, right? So it makes sense to me that he wants to be called Rick now. Uh, but it's just kind of silly, right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Have you read uh, this issue? I have not. Uh, the only backstory I did read on it is that, like, Nightwing, he went through some kind of, like, head trauma. And he uh-huh. can't... He's trying to, like, change his lifestyle. So he doesn't want to go back into becoming Nightwing. That's why he's changing his name. Okay. Like, he wants a whole new um, life. And okay. that's okay. why he changed his name to Rick to just kind of like give up that superhero life and just live like a normal life okay well Um, you know from that perspective it makes even more sense i guess so i shouldn't judge it especially since uh haven't read the comic um but you know it does it seems like another stunt to sell more comics yeah so stay tuned on that all right and also disney is still trying to pick up the mess after the whole James Gunn firing. Production okay. for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 has been pushed back to 2021 now. And oh. while Disney's still trying to figure that out, Warner Brothers, in the meantime, just hired James Gunn to screenwrite and possibly direct Suicide Squad 2. And so, you know, this could be the turning point Warner Brothers desperately needs to in their own ongoing rivalry with Marvel. Yeah, this is pretty interesting. Man, I don't know about you, but I don't know if James Gunn and Suicide Squad make a good match. You know, this it just seemed a little odd to me. You know, maybe if there hadn't been a Suicide Squad 1 and James Gunn was the guy to bring Suicide Squad to the screen, that'd be one thing, you know. Um, but to inherit these characters and to pick up in the second uh, of the series, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't feel right. It seems like James Gunn is so creative and original that he's more suited to, you know, build his own universe, you know. Mm. I shouldn't say universe, but, you know, to, to be the starting point uh, of, a, of a franchise, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't like, know. Yeah, this doesn't he, sit that well with uh, me. Like how we do with Guardians. He kind of turned it from, like, these unknown people to, yeah. like, everyday names now for Marvel fans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I would rather see him take on a new DC character. You know, I'm not saying, like, oh, Gunn is meant for Marvel and he shouldn't be doing any DC stuff. No way, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it would be nicer to see him start fresh. You know, it just seems weird that he's sort of picking up where a previous director left off. Yeah. I guess, you know, wherever that paycheck comes from, that's where it heads. Well, see, see, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, Suicide Squad 2 should be for, like, a paycheck director. You know, a a hired gun. A hired gun with with one end, not two. Uh, But James Gunn, he's just such an original voice, man. Like... Uh, he shouldn't be one of these guy guys who just takes a job for for money, you know. He he's he's a he's an idea guy, so yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't fault him for 
for like taking this job to help write Suicide Squad 2, you know, especially like maybe now, like the time he would have spent prepping Guardians 3, like he's like, well, I got to do something, so I'll do this. I, I, I you know, that's fine. Um, but I feel like, I feel like he shouldn't direct the movie. He should stay away from that and let his next project be like completely his own. You know what I mean? I, I would like mm-hmm. to see that, whether it's DC or Marvel or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And our last story, to segue into our fun horror episode, the recent Halloween film starring the awesome star Jamie Lee Curtis that she is opened last Friday to a whopping $77 million. It's the large, It's the franchise's largest opening and second highest opening in October after Venom, which we talked about in our last episode and you should check out if you haven't done so already. And as I noted earlier, it is kind of a horror movie in itself yeah right so another film to talk about yeah and so the film is basically a direct sequel to the 90 1978 version so basically you could ignore every storyline that the halloween franchise has put out there but it's confusing but <laughs> that it works so have you checked that movie out yet or are you i have to? not i didn't know that it came out. I didn't know it was a big hit. Um, so uh, interesting stuff, man. Mm-hmm. And I did hear that it's a continuation of the first Halloween. And we should talk about that a little bit because that's pretty confusing, right? So there have been a lot of Halloween movies. And it's kind of weird that this one is proclaiming itself as the sequel of the first Halloween. And it kind of just dumps on all the other Halloween movies, right? Yeah. That's kind of weird. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? No, definitely I was totally taken away. I I thought it was going to be like another reboot, like the third or second reboot in the series because they were the ones that Rob Zombie filmed back in like 08, 07. Right. Um, I thought it was going to be one of those, but to hear that it was a direct sequel and to kind of just get rid of whatever plans... Or whatever storylines followed after the 1978 version. Because um, I like the original second sequel, Halloween 2. I thought that mm-hmm. one was really good. Not as good as the original, but I thought it was okay. But this Halloween film, the one that just came out, I've heard nothing but good reviews on it. And mm-hmm. I know you don't like going off Rotten Tomatoes, but yeah, they it has a good score by both critics and audience members. Oh, okay. Well, I'm definitely intrigued. I kind of want to check this one out. Uh Definitely. But I don't really like the fact that it, you know, kind of dismisses all the other Halloween movies. I kind of don't like that whenever that happens. You know, I know that the Superman series did the same thing. When Superman Returns came, came out, it proclaimed itself the continuation of Superman 1 and 2. And it sort of just dismissed Superman 3 and 4, you know. Uh, I'll be the first to admit that Superman 1 and 2 were far superior to 3 and 4. But um, I think it's kind of lame to just have this revisionist history, you know. (laughs) Like, why not just, like, embrace it all? Um, You know, we talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe a lot. Um, but there is yet another reason why I love that universe. It embraces it all. 
Like, I'm not a fan of every single movie of the MCU, but it's cool that there's reference to every single movie. Like, Thor The Dark World is easily my least favorite of the whole bunch, um, and yet it has the ether in it, which is one of the Infinity Stones, which is a critical part of Infinity War, you know? And um, did the fact that Thor The Dark World had a, a huge influence on Infinity War take away from my experience? Absolutely not, you know? I think it's super cool. Um, there is some really cool shit with that uh, reality stone in the movie, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's kind of lame whenever you have this revisionist history and say, oh, this movie has nothing to do with uh, certain movies of the series, only, you know, the better ones, quote-unquote, you know, that's stupid. Mm-hmm. The bet, I mean, I, like I said, it just makes it more confusing. Yeah, that um, too, that too. Have you ever watched any of the other Halloween films? I have seen the original Halloween. Mm-hmm. I love it, and I think it's a horror classic for sure. Um... But sadly, that's it. You know, I think I've seen bits and pieces of the other movies. Oh wait, I take that back. I did see the the Rob Zombie uh, Halloween. That one you were talking about. It came out about ten years ago or so. Oh okay, yeah. Um, that one wasn't scary. I felt I don't know. I think the original one has like really. There's like some real thrill to it yeah and then the rob zombie one is totally like a cheap um scare kind of like pop outs and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah so we're we're digging into it but uh just wanted to call out yeah we're, we're diving right into our horror movies uh-huh. segment um and i guess we should give a spoiler alert we're going to go into depth particularly on the shining and insidious uh but i'm sure some spoilers will creep out on some other horror classics as well um but yeah let's dive right in let's do this so you know we've been talking about halloween now would you consider any of the halloween movies amongst your favorite horror movies no no okay (laughs) see see i'm glad you said that because uh you know, we've had some conversation. Perfurio, you really are a horror aficionado. Yeah. Right? Um, so that's cool that you're saying, oh, Halloween. Yeah, those movies are okay. <laughs> They're not the best. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, let's get into the best. And when I say the best, to me, horror is a unique genre because pretty much any other genre you can say, oh, these are my favorites. These are my least favorites. And that's pretty much it. But with horror, there really is a huge third category and that's which are the scariest horror movies you know i think there's a huge distinction between the best horror movies and the scariest horror movies you know what i mean um so uh let's start with uh with best so you're saying the halloween movies uh there's definitely some good ones in there but none of them are among what you consider the best what do you consider the best Uh horror movies okay the way i define like the best horror movies are the ones that kind of not really leave you giving nightmare f- nightmares, but okay. kind of 
have you thinking about that kind of stuff like like this could happen to you or there's like a thrill to it that you could just enjoy the adrenaline you know yeah that leaves you at the edge of your seat those are the best horror films i Mm -hmm. that's how i define the best horror films okay and so my list of like best horror films is well number one without a doubt is the exorcist okay um, I'll get you more to detail about it, but there's Exorcist, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, okay, Nightmare on Elm Street, and again the, the original one, the original one, okay. Um, and if oh man, I had another one on top of my head. Those are I would say are like the best horror films, just because, I mean you know to some they are scary, but they also there's so much thrill, there's so much cinematic kind of pleasure that you can enjoy from it Mm, you know okay Um, cool wow you're kind of surprising me here because um, we've had conversations before about our respective movie tastes and um at least with non-horror stuff you know before today my sense was that your leanings were more on recent stuff you know and um, my leanings were more for older stuff. But the three movies you just listed, they're, they're old they're, movies. Uh-huh. The Exorcist, the original Nightmare on Elm Street, and the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Those are old-ass movies. <laughs> and uh, you're making me proud here, man. Um, and yes, I have seen all three of those films, and I think they're great. Absolutely. Um, not my favorites, though. Um I have two clear horror favorites, and those are The Shining, which we will talk to, uh, we will talk about a lot more soon, uh, but also Suspiria, the Italian horror classic from Dario Argento. Um, I saw this for the first time not long ago. This was, I want to say, just last year and uh, blew me away man it's phenomenal um really surreal and weird and visually and sonically awesome uh cannot recommend it enough there's a remake of this movie coming out very soon it comes out next month um i've been hearing good things and i am uh very curious to check that out so those are my two favorites again I want to make the distinction. These are my favorite horror movies, but they aren't what I consider the scariest horror movies. No, same. I, I don't think either of these movies, The Shining or Suspiria, are super scary. Um, yeah, I think that's a different category. Um, but yeah, before, before we get off of the best, uh, you talked a little bit about what makes for a great horror movie um yeah i definitely agree with the aspect of a great horror movie making you think it's it's thought-provoking you know um with uh with the shining you know again we're going to talk more about it later but uh there there is that aspect of of like thought-provoking story in it you know like a lot of the questions you have during the movie are, you know, is the Jack Nicholson character 
really seeing the things we're seeing? Is it all in his head? Is he losing his mind? Is he being possessed by ghosts? It's very, like you said, thought-provoking, right? Um, it makes you think. It makes you work a little bit, you yeah, know? Yeah, I had a lot of questions. I, like, I'll ask him later in the podcast <laughs> yeah. to see if you have answers to me, but I have like a lot of okay. questions after watching that. Film. I'm guessing I can't answer them, but <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'll give it a try. Um, on the flip side, though, I will say it doesn't have to be thought-provoking because there, this movie, Suspiria, um, like I said, it's very surreal, and um, it's almost like mind-numbing. When you watch this movie, it's just an experience. Like there's crazy colors during the movie. It's psychedelic, and it doesn't really take place in any kind of reality. And you just you just kind of go for this wild ride, and it it doesn't really make you think. It's just kind of this surreal escapist masterpiece. It's very twisted. I mean, I haven't seen the movie, but I saw the trailer to it. Okay, yeah. And I was just kind of like, what is going on? I don't <laughs> get it. So you're talking about the trailer for the new movie, right? Both. I oh, saw, both. I okay. saw the trailer because I didn't have time to watch the original. Yeah. So I just decided to watch the trailer to both to just kind of compare like, yeah. how mm-hmm. different it looks. And I was just confused. <laughs> at both. I was like, yeah, what yeah. is going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and I, I, I love the original for that fact. You know, you could watch that movie and be like, what the hell is happening? And it's sort of this cool dual thing going on where you're questioning everything. You're like, what is happening? And yet the plot is very straightforward. It's not a complex plot. Um, So you don't have to think a lot. Like you just kind of go for this ride. Um, So it's a pretty unique experience. Um, Yeah, I, I had the great pleasure of seeing it in the theaters. Alamo Drafthouse did do a screening last year. And um, if you can see this movie in the theaters, I highly recommend it because it uh, it blew me away. It, it really did, you know. Like I said, not only visually, but sonically too. You know, the, the music and the sound effects in it are a big part of uh, the appeal of the movie, I think. So can't recommend, can't recommend Suspiria highly enough mm-hmm. um so let's go into scariest horror movies so yeah i'm digging this vibe where i think both of us uh are fans of the horror genre and we kind of can recognize nuances within different horror movies and certainly we've we've listed some great horror movies and some pretty scary horror movies but not the scariest, right? Yeah, not the scariest. Like, well, you know, before we really jump in there, you mentioned The Exorcist. I did see this for the first time not that long ago. I think I saw this last year also. Um, and, yeah, like, I kind of agree here. It's, it's, a, it's definitely a good movie, um, but not necessarily scary. Um, it's kind of messed up to say that because a lot of people are calling it the scariest movie ever made, right? I don't know if it's so much scary as it is disturbing. It's very disturbing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's some image and there are some images in this movie that are very disturbing and they will kind of stick with you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're going to talk about Insidious a bit later, but um, part of what makes Inst- Insidious creepy is the weird stuff that happens with kids in the movie, right? And 
that really is a big part of what makes The Exorcist creepy, right? Yeah. That's the whole movie. It's this little girl who's possessed by the devil, right? And this little girl, like, she does some way out shit, you know? Yeah. Uh, so it's super disturbing. Um, it makes for quite an experience. Um, arguable, though, how scary it is. Mm-hmm. For me, just like a little background on myself, I come from a hugely influenced Catholic background. Okay. I was raised Catholic. Um, you know, my mom was, my mom is really faith and religion based. So she really bestowed like all that ideologies on me, even as uh, a young kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had to go to church every Sunday, say my prayers, all that kind of stuff, or else, you know, the devil, the demon would get to me. Yeah. Um, so honestly, I she wouldn't allow me, even though we both love horror movies, she didn't allow me to watch The Exorcist until I turned 18. Mm-hmm. By that time... I wasn't as afraid of the film. I don't know if I if I watched it sooner, it like or when I was a younger age, I would have been afraid. But I could I appreciated the the like cinematography, the visual effects. Like you said, the the images you find disturbing. Yeah, they were disturbing, but there's also like a thrill behind it because those kind of images they 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 stick with you, you know. Yeah, <laughs> they the music sticks with you. I think that's what um, I got from The Shining. Also, like there is not so much. There's like there doesn't have to be like gore or a killer necessarily to make a film scary or yeah. a movie a horror film. There's just appreciation that could be done. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I saw from The Exorcist, and. Like I said, so coming from a Catholic background, um, since me believing this stuff, it just kind of freaked me out even mm, more. Though. Yeah. Like, oh shit, this is this is some crazy ass like demon <laughs> stuff. Yeah, and that's a great point. You know, a big part of what makes a horror movie scary is how relatable it is. Uh-huh. You know, if you grew up hearing about the stuff they talk about in The Exorcist. I believe it, man. I believe how scary it could be. And, you know, um, let's just get into the scariest movies now, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, so my list of the three scariest movies of all time are Conjuring 1, Conjuring 2, and The Ring. Now, I wanted to talk about the Conjuring movies a little bit because... You know, I just talked about that relatability, right? So the Conjuring movies are supposedly based on true life events, right? And I think the movies even start out with that little note, right? Based on true events, right? And uh, even that's part of the scariness of the experience, right? Once you see that note, it's like, oh shit, this this stuff happened for real? You know? Um, So... Once you add that realism in there, it's like, oh man, real people experienced this horror, this terror, you know, it adds to it for sure. So relatability is, is a big a big part of uh, what makes these movies scary, I think. 
Yeah. Uh, what about your list for scariest movies? Um, for me, the scariest movies are The Conjuring 1, also like you. Okay. Insidious. Um, Paranormal Activity. When it first came out, now, you know, now the other ones, I'm, they're whatever. But okay. The, that one, the first one when first oh, came out. Okay. And Leprechaun. Okay. You know, but I watched as a young kid. I guess that's why it scared me. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean, that one, the disclaimer is when you saw it, right? You saw it when you were a little kid, so yeah. it scared the shit out of you. Actually, how old were you when you saw that movie? Leprechaun? Yeah. Uh, I was in second grade. Okay. I saw it in second grade. That freaking movie scared scarred me <laughs> until, like, middle school. Oh, my gosh. Like, every St. Patrick's Day, every year... I could, like, literally not go to school because I was just so fucking terrified of <laughs> leprechauns. Oh, my gosh. It, it was yeah. really embarrassing. I mean, just to be clear, before you start calling Porfirio wuss for seeing leprechaun and getting this shit scared out of him, he saw it when he was in, in second grade. So I would, <laughs> I would, you know, challenge any second grader to watch this movie and not be scared shitless. Oh, my God. Right. Um, but I think, like, you know, all the films, the three films I listed, they're all supernatural films. And I think, mm. like, it's like what you said, that it's that relatability that makes it scary. Like, one, yeah. they're scary because they have, like, those pop-out scenes. But two, they're scary because I believe in that kind of shit. And yeah. most two out of the three are based on a true story. I mean, paranormal activity can be debatable if, like, that kind of shit happens on an everyday basis. Yeah. But... Um. Yeah, it's that relatability, relatability about how true it is that kind of like scares the shit out of you. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. have you ever seen the movie um when a stranger calls? No, I haven't seen that. It's 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 a very simple plot line. Um, I wouldn't say it's scary, but the plot line, like if it had been executed well, I would say it's really scary. It's just basically like. A babysitter has to watch over these kids and then later on she gets like these like crazy phone calls whatever mm-hmm. and then um it's basically the phone calls at first she thought are like pranks by her friend but then later on they get creepier and creepier because it's the same guy and he's like at first he gives her like fake kind of questions but then he starts like making observations about her and like stuff saying like oh how are the kids when you checked up on them right now whatever so she's like no like <laughs> oh shit i'm being watched right now yeah and just kind of like you know it's it's not uncommon but it could happen to you at the yeah. I think that's what yeah. i'm trying to say that it could happen to you which makes it even more scarier yeah like yeah that a stranger like today like i was on Bart and this like lady was just looking at me the whole time funny like <laughs> like I kept looking up for my phone to see if she was still looking at me she still was and I like kind of like moved my seat just to see if she would ke- like keep her eye on me and she still did so I was like this is creepy you know yeah yeah like this is fucking scary <laughs> I, okay yeah um, but those are my top films okay why I think they're scary got it got it yeah, pretty interesting. You know, I have a similar feel in that there are different aspects of horror movies that make them scary. 
you know, so going back to my list, The Ring and The Conjuring movies, you know, um, you talked about paranormal stuff. Yeah, all three of these movies are essentially ghost stories, right? Yeah. And there is definitely something inherently scary about ghost stories. You know, uh, we talked about Halloween a bit. I think there's a reason why neither of us think the Halloween movies are among the scariest. Because those movies are essentially slasher movies, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly scary, but to me there's something much scarier about a ghost than a slasher. You know, I feel like with a slasher, you know, I can run away from a slasher. But you can't run away from a ghost, (laughs) you Uh know. Um, We'll get into Insidious a bit, but in Insidious, the family actually moves. They leave a haunted house, but guess what? Their troubles don't go away, right? Because the ghost follows them. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, with ghosts, you can't fuck with ghosts. (laughs) You can't kill a ghost. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, these movies, there are ways the protagonists can get through their situations but it's not that easy you can't just run away right so uh, to me that's a big part of these kind of movies being a lot scarier than than other types of horror movies Mm -hmm. um but it is interesting with a movie like the ring versus a movie like conjuring one or conjuring two because in the moment i think conjuring one and two which i think both were super fucking scary uh I was scared out of my mind watching these movies. Um, There is a difference, though, I think, with um, the Conjuring movies. I was, like I said, in the moment scared. But the moment those movies ended, I took a deep breath. I'm like, whew, I made it. (laughs) And I was able to fall asleep. And the next day, I I thought about it. I was like, whoa, those are scary-ass movies. But... I was able to kind of leave them behind, you know. With The Ring, though, man, that one stuck with me for weeks. You know, the images in The Ring haunted me. Um, So I don't think there were as many jump scares in The Ring. Um, So I wasn't as scared in the moment watching that movie compared to The Conjuring movies. But afterward, it stuck around. I had trouble sleeping. I had to keep the lights on in my home at all times for a long time you know i couldn't open my fucking closet for like a month (laughs) so um yeah it's just haunting you know it's creepy it got in my head um i think that's why i'm considering the ring the scariest movie of all time just because of that fact that it's stuck with me and um i think you know i can build up the nerve to watch the conjuring again but I don't know if I can watch The Ring again. You know, I, I'm I'm like, I think I'm just going to let it, you know, <laughs> let, let it stay on the shelf or whatever you want to call it. You know, um, it, it's uh, deeply disturbing. And I, I'm, I'm scared of that movie. The same way the characters are afraid of watching that, that damn videotape, you know. Um, I'm scared of watching that movie again. Mm. No, we're talking about the rain. You're talking about the American version or the the original Japanese. That's version? a great distinction because I am talking about the American version. I have seen both, and I think the Japanese original Ringu is great, but not as scary. 
I think the American remake is a hell of a lot scarier. Um, you know, I definitely kept my tip my cap to the original ring. That's where the source material came from. Um, but uh, yeah, they uh, in this case, I think the Americans sort of outdid the original by making it a lot scarier. And I say the source material. I think the even the Japanese movie was based on like a manga or something. Uh, I might be wrong there, but. Um, Needless to say, the ring, the American, the ring, is not a completely original story. But what they did with it was make what I think the scariest movie ever. Have you ever watched um, The Grudge? I have. And yeah. Was that one as scary? Because I mean, like they're both kind of feel. I feel like have similar elements. Yeah, I don't think it was nearly as scary. I mean, it didn't stick with me. It definitely didn't stick with me the way The Ring stuck with me. And even with, you know, The Conjuring movies, like I'm saying, I got a much bigger scare from those movies than pretty much any other movie uh-huh. except The Ring. You know, I, I, there's a reason why these three movies are top of my list because I don't think there's any movie scarier than these three. Um, let me talk about The Conjuring movies a little bit. So there is the ghost aspect, right? Like there's a helpless feeling with ghost movies, especially when they're done right, like the Conjuring movies. Like I have to say, especially after seeing Insidious, um, James Wan, the director James Wan, is a master at horror. You know, he just knows how to scare people. Like he has a gift. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, and um, with the Conjuring movies. Man, I have to say, like, the end to the Conjuring movies where, like, shit is going, like, completely bonkers, those parts aren't as scary as a little bit earlier, like, kind of like the first third or so. Like, I think the the, the scariest shit in the Conjuring movies are earlier on, when things are just starting to get a little weird. Mm -hmm. There's a scene in the first Conjuring movie, I swear, it, it is, it's so scary. Like... Yeah, I have to. I might need a little refresher, but it, all you see is like a dark corner. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where like yeah. there's a kid looking in a corner. You can barely see anything. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but he something is there, uh-huh. right? He knows it. We as the audience know it, but something is there, and you can't see anything. It's just like this dark corner, right? And in a different context, it's not really that scary. But just the setup of it, you know, it's just creepy as hell. And I think that's where James Wan's genius lies. It's what you don't see. Uh It's what you don't see, you know. It's what you don't see that scares the hell out of you, you know. It's definitely, like, it's human nature to be afraid of the unknown. Yes. You know, but also what how he did that scene is just, like, he zooms in on that dark corner like it's completely silent, yeah. And you, you, you as the audience member, you're like, no, 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 don't bring me in. No, stop. Right, stop, right. Stop. And then, and the the camera like slowly creeps in. Yeah. And you can't escape. You're like, yeah. you want to like turn away, yeah. but the camera just keeps uh-huh. moving there. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good, man. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, after Conjuring one, like I felt like this isn't like a great movie like the way i'm saying the shining and suspiria are great movies like cinematic masterpieces um 
but he has a certain craft, like a, a singular expertise in simply scaring the fucking hell out of you, you know? He just knows how to do it. Yeah. And I think it's cool. I, I really wanted to put Conjuring 2 on this list. I know you didn't, but I wanted to do that too because I felt like he found new ways to scare the hell out of you, you know? So there's that scene we talked about in Conjuring 1 with the Dark Shadow. Um, before I go to Conjuring 2, in Conjuring 1 also, if you recall, they go in the basement later on in the movie. Mm-hmm. And there is this... There is this really fucked up thing that happens where, um, I, so this whole thing in the Conjuring universe, like it's about not just houses being haunted or people getting possessed, but it's like objects, right? Certain yeah. objects have, have like, are, are, are like you know paranormal um, magnets or like they're, they're particularly you know, conducive for being possessed and that mm-hmm. sort of thing, right? So there's this, uh, it's like a music box or something with a yeah, mirror. Yeah. Uh-huh. And this is so inventive. Like when um, the character, I think it's... Uh, it's the mom. The, the, yeah, the uh-huh. Vera Farmiga character, uh-huh. right? Yeah, she goes to the basement and she has this item, right? Um, so first of all, like, you know, a music box that's possessed, it's pretty creepy already. But then she's like descending into this dark basement. That's already, So I'm already like practically shitting my pants right but then there's this thing where Juan does where he uses mirrors so mirrors that's another great like scare technique in horror movies you know Uh, but there's this great misdirect where she looks in the mirror and she doesn't see anything so it looks like you're being set up for a jump scare and she sees nothing and then you're like, okay, well, I guess there's nothing. I could take a breath. But you're still kind of like being cautious. Then she looks back. She turns around to where she was looking at in the mirror, right? And then again, I'm like getting ready. Like, oh, here we go, right? Still nothing. Uh-huh. Then at that point, you're like, okay, whew, all right. I, uh, I dodged that bullet. I made it. And then, of course, she looks back in the mirror and boom, <laughs> that's where you, they get you, you know? And I was... It just like made me jump out of my seat and like as much as you try to be prepared you just he, he knows how to get you he knows all the tricks right uh so he's just a master and uh, i just real quick i want to go to conjuring 2 also because i think he continued to find new ways to scare you you know um so conjuring 2 the the plot is pretty straightforward it's it's very much like conjuring 1 it's another you know haunting right um but they threw in all these new things like the nun you know this this demon nun called valak i mean that's the scariest shit i've seen out of both of those movies that that fucking nun you know they even made a a spin-off movie right yeah Yeah. um in in conjuring 2 that nun is scary as hell no question it plays upon like kind of like what you're talking about, like this uh, the, the the Catholic messaging, right? Yeah. You know that that whole thread, right? Um, they also talk about um, this thing called the uh, I made a note here, the crooked man. So it's like uh, it's like again a, like a music box, 
and it's, it's a child's toy and it kind of plays upon that whole thing right i was talking about using children in horror horror movies and like um, whenever you bring children or children's toys or children's fairy tales it just evokes the shit that scared us when we were little kids right so this crooked man thing is along those lines right he uses that too um so like the conjuring 2 is like even less of a quote-unquote good movie than conjuring 1 like both of these movies are kind of schlocky um like again the shining and suspiria like they're they're like they're more like high art i don't want to sound like snob or anything but like they're things you can kind of brag about to like film students and shit like that right um the conjuring movies are like are more like low level mm-hmm. schlocky um but I, I have to give it up to the conjuring too because i think it's even more like like a lowest common denominator kind of entertainment but the craft is there like james wan finds new ways to scare the hell out of you you know i i do think conjuring 2 is a lot different from conjuring 1 he finds new ways to scare you mm-hmm. and they're both scary as hell you know since you know, james one also directed the insidious films i don't know yeah, i know he directed one and two i don't know if he did three and four okay i don't um, know either but you know if you'd like you thought it was different i really suggest following the insidious films because I was the same way, you know, yeah. like, I, f- I followed the Insidious films, and I was, like, really cautious, like, oh, is this going to be, like, repetitive? It, they're actually, like, different, like, the Conjuring films. Like, James Wan knows how to make it different, but it's still the same. Oh, interesting. So I, I say check, keep checking up on watching the following films okay right on well great segue yeah. uh we can get into our uh quote-unquote homework here uh yeah. because oh yeah go yeah, ahead one, i prefer one you more note I've, i don't know how i miss this movie um i don't know if i would describe put this in best horror film or scariest horror film mm-hmm. but i really have to acknowledge this film a quiet place oh okay have this you, came out just recently uh-huh. yeah i haven't seen it have you oh my gosh it is very crazy. Do you know the subplot? I do. Uh, I do. You have, yeah. You have to like be very quiet. I don't know if this has, this technique have, has ever been done in horror films. It probably has. Like you know, like the pop scare kind of stuff. Yeah. But the basically the whole film is silent, and mm-hmm. you, you know, if you're in a movie theater, that's like the worst place to watch because no one can <laughs> eat fucking popcorn <laughs> while watching this film because you yeah. kind of get mad at them for oh right. The film. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like the whole film is basically quiet. Cause if not, then these like monsters will come out and grab you for making yeah. a sound. Yeah. And so the whole film, you're just kind of like, you kind of also kind of hold your breath cause you're just, you don't want to like, it's so quiet that like, even when you breathe, you can hear yourself breathing mm-hmm. and it's just, it's a very interesting technique how it's done. Um, but I really have to give acknowledge to that oh, right before on. we move on oh I'm glad you mentioned that because um, this segment or this episode really isn't just about talking about what we've seen but getting recommendations because I haven't seen A Quiet Place I also haven't seen another one of your your scariest um, what was your scariest list again Paranormal Paranormal that's it the Paranormal Activity the first one yeah I, I haven't seen that so I want to see that one now as mm-hmm. well 
I mean, like, now it's not scary just because when it first came out, everyone didn't know if it was real or not. Okay. Like, there is, like, no, like, starting credits or anything. And the end credits don't come in until, like, five minutes after it ends. You know? Oh, wow. So there's, like, no acknowledgement if it's a movie or not. So, okay. I mean... I don't know what people thought when they first got in there. Like, there was a lot of confusion of whether or not this was, like, real ass, like, authentic found footage, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. But, like, it really sticks to, like, that found footage thing. Because there's, like, no credits. There's no, like, sign of editing whatsoever. Like, you don't know these actors or actresses or, you know, so it's just... it. I think because it came from an unknown place. That's what mm-hmm. made it so creepy. Oh, interesting. And, and crazy. Okay. And now you got all these sequels, and so now people are like, oh, it's a movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, I will definitely try to check out the first <laughs> one. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, like we had some homework from last yeah. time, right? Uh-huh. So that was to see Insidious for me and The Shining for you. Um I had never seen Insidious before, and you had never seen The Shining before. So, um, let's get into it. Um, what do you think? Do you want to start yeah, with Shining? Yeah, start. So, okay, go ahead. Yeah, The Shining. I've never seen it. Seen it entirely. I've always just, I know the pop references and everything because I know like The Simpsons did a spoof episode about it once. Right, right. And um, I saw like. A small scene of it in from Ready Player One. Oh, that, okay. Because uh, um, yeah, one of the levels is it takes you to The Shining, and you have to pass the level mm-hmm. of the scene. In okay, the, the Overlook the Hotel. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, so I know the pop culture references, but I've never actually seen the movie. So it kind of was. I mean, like, so it kind of spoiled it for me because when I, oh, right. you know, I saw, while I was watching this movie, I was like, oh, okay, I know this character. I know Jack Nicholson's character. He was played by Homer Simpson on The Simpsons. <laughs> and, yeah. Um, so I kind of knew what was going on, but there was a lot of, like, thrill to it, mm, you know? Mm-hmm. It left me with a lot of questions. Okay. You know, there, I was just like, okay, what, <laughs> what's going on? Before this? you bring up your questions... Uh, did you like the movie? Did I like the movie? Mm. I would give it probably a 6 out of 10. Okay, so like a, a low recommendation, yeah. basically. Okay, uh, wow, all right. Yeah. Um, just because yeah. not so much it was outdated, it was just kind of slow Okay. for me. Mm. Um, I like the thrill. But I wouldn't probably watch it again unless I was, like, buzzed. Or okay. it gave me a good few <laughs> wow. years where I don't remember the pop Gotcha. Line. All right. Because, uh, like I said, I've already seen, like, pop culture references to it, so I couldn't take it seriously or mm, anything. Uh, okay. So maybe those influences may have, I don't want to say spoiled, but, no, you they know. No, they did. They did spoil Oh, they did spoil the movie. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. That's too yeah, bad. Yeah, so... Um, like the twins, the blood coming out of the uh, elevator, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the shining about the kid calling out to the cook. Like, yeah, I already knew that was going to happen and everything. So 
it kind of exploded for me in a, uh, on, a, on, a, on a satire version. Yeah, yeah. So I was just like, I could not take the film seriously, but I got to give praise to Jack Nicholson's um, acting mm-hmm. and the little kids acting. Oh, yeah, they're like, great. I can see why Jack Nicholson is like the po- perfect Joker in Batman. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you could argue he got that role because yeah. of his performance in The Shining. Yeah, right? for yeah. sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, but it's really... I like the scenes. I like the thrill. I like the psychological thinking of, like, what's going on? Like, like if I was watching that film for the first time... I mean, I was... But without being influenced by, like, these other pop culture um, hints, mm-hmm. I would be like, oh, my gosh, what, what the fuck's happening? Like, <laughs> yeah, so like, you said you had some questions. I don't know if yeah. I can answer them, but what are your questions after seeing this movie? Okay, I don't get how, at the end, the whole, like, the photo Yeah. at the very end, like, why was he, like, how, how was he in the photo? Okay, so... This is my take. This is my interpretation. I think it's kind of open-ended. Like, you can interpret it a Uh few different ways. But my interpretation is that the photo was... I don't want to say not real, but it it was just sort of um, symbolic. The photo was symbolic that, that that person from way back when who slaughtered his family... was possessed by the same spirit that possessed the Jack Nicholson character, you know, decades later. Okay. It was just symbolic that it was the same spirit that possessed both of them. It's not that they looked exactly the same. It's not like the same person lived for like a hundred years. I think it was just symbolic that it was the exact same possession that got okay. a hold of these two men. Uh-huh. That is my take on it. Okay. Um, what about, like, what was kind of, like, the significance of, like, the room, the hotel room? 237, 237, yeah. 237, yeah. I mean, he goes in the film, he goes in the room, and then he makes out that lady who turns out to be, like, a dead old corpse. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's never shown again in the film, so I was kind of like, what was the purpose of that scene? You know, it made me think, again... It's all kind of interpretive, right? You can read whatever you want to read into this movie. I think there's a lot of open-endedness to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, earlier I talked about how, you know, certain objects, certain things can have a, a greater potential for being possessed or haunted or whatever, you know, like with the Conjuring movies. I think the same applies here. Like, this hotel, the Overlook Hotel, is haunted, um, but there are certain aspects to it that are more haunted than other aspects. So I think, like, that room is, like, a hotbed of paranormal activity, you know, something like that. So, um, you know, maybe certain places of the hotel, maybe the lobby or whatever aren't as aren't as haunted as other places but this room 237 is like is like ground zero for evil spirits Mm -hmm. you know that's my take there okay um i have a lot of questions (laughs) okay yeah go ahead this is just interesting why does the little boy have the shining power 
Like, mm-hmm. he doesn't really have a big role in the movie, I feel like. Like, uh, he... Like, he's hardly given any screen time. And when he does, he's kind of, like, talking to Tony. And who is Tony? Like, <laughs> like is he, like, some spirit from the house that's talking to him? Or... Yeah, these are good questions. Actually, I haven't thought about this one that much because watching this movie, I've never really questioned, like, why does this kid have certain psychic powers, right? I just sort of accepted it. Um, But now that I'm thinking about it... Like, for me, it would make more sense, like, if, like, the mom had the shining power, Mm -hmm. you know, because then she could call for help or whatever. But the kid has, like, no... I feel like the kid, there, there's, like, no vital role that he plays in the film. Like, sure, he can um, kind of see into the future. Yeah. But he doesn't really tell anybody, like, about his visions or anything to kind of um, get the plot going. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I was just confused about that. Yeah. What, what, uh, I, this is a valid question. I don't really have much of an answer here. But what I was going to say is what I just thought about was there's really no rhyme or reason for the fact that this kid has superpowers. Um, But maybe it's not just a coincidence that he has these powers and that his dad is the one who is possessed. Maybe there's a connection there. Um, We'll get to Insidious in a bit, but um, the fact that the Patrick Wilson character in that movie is a victim of his son getting possessed. Um, that is a direct, that has a direct connection with him himself getting possessed later, right? Yeah. Uh, so maybe there's something like that here, like a father son connection, right? Um, maybe that has something to do with it, like um, Danny's ability to to uh shine that has a lot to do with the fact that his dad got possessed you know Mm -hmm. maybe there's a connection there um you called out a shortcoming of the movie though because seemingly danny's power danny of course is is jack nicholson's son he has his power and seemingly he's going to use it at some point to to survive Right. Yeah. He seemed to have used it when he contacted the black guy, right? Yeah. Scatman Crothers. Mm-hmm. So Scatman Crothers gets this psychic message. He flies across the country. He drives through the snow. And then it seemed like he's going to like save the day, right? Yeah. But no. He just gets axed by Jack Nicholson, and he's just a bloody mess, you know? And then nothing really came of that at all. And the way that Danny escapes the situation at the end isn't through his shining power. It's just being kind of a smart little kid. He retraces his steps, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, like, uh, it's a little odd, you know? Like, uh, what does the shining have to do with anything? I don't know. Um, I know this was based on a book, and I don't know too much about the book, but I think the uh, the Scatman Crothers character did a lot more in the book, and I think the Shining Power had a bigger significance 
there. Okay. So he called out a a, a pretty valid shortcoming, I, I think. Uh-huh. Yeah. And do you know who Tony is? Cause... Oh, Tony. <laughs> uh i don't know that's a good question like it's funny you're bringing up this stuff that like i i've seen this uh a number of times and i first saw it at a fairly young age so a lot of it i just kind of accepted on face value um tony's just this cool uh voice in the kid's head you know it's his imaginary friend i don't know uh um, it just made it made for some creepy ass scenes, but yeah, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I have no explanation <laughs> for who Tony is. Yeah, um, okay. yeah. So uh, I think yeah, that's why I kind of gave it a little score. I think like like I said, I appreciate the thrill and the psychological or yeah. mentality, mm-hmm. the psychological horror behind it. Yeah, but it left me with more questions. Than mm. I wanted that's fair for a film that's fair and I think that's where we kind of differ right because um, with movies like this like The Shining and movies like Suspiria maybe I kind of like not knowing what the hell is going on um, because yeah if you thought stuff in The Shining was confusing you probably be, will be baffled from Suspiria <laughs> uh, I'll say that um but uh, yeah, I, I like the fact that some of the stuff is vague and and there isn't a whole lot of explanation for yeah. But I yeah, I understand your perspective certainly. But okay, now your turn. So I had you watch James Gunn's other masterpiece. Yeah, uh, James Insid- Wan's uh-huh. other masterpiece. Yeah, James Wan. <laughs> yeah, James, yeah, not James Gunn. Um, Insidious. Yeah. Okay. What do you think? So, uh, I had never seen Insidious before. Thank you for letting me borrow your DVD. I'll be Uh sure to give it back to you before uh, Uh the end of the night here. Um, Insidious. Okay, so I will say this. If I had never seen the Conjuring movies, I think I would have liked this quite a bit. But I walked away from this movie feeling like that was... A decent flick but it was so not in the ballpark of the conjuring movies that i felt like i didn't really need to see it like mm-hmm. i was scared a lot more from both conjuring movies i was entertained a lot more from those movies um this movie was just a little bit more of a curiosity i felt like it was cool seeing james wan start to build his craft you know i thought that was cool like i saw a lot of signs of what was to come you know there were certainly scary aspects to it and um some entertaining aspects um but to me it was just kind of the warm-up to the conjuring movies you know (laughs) they were similar movies they were quite similar um like we were saying earlier um there is some differences that he hones over the course of his work. Um, and yeah, it is kind of cool to see Insidious and Conjuring 1, Conjuring 2. There's this sort of evolution in a way. Like um, with Conjuring 1, I felt like it was a little bit more of a traditional movie than Conjuring 2. Conjuring 2, it was almost like just an exercise in scaring the pants off the audience. <laughs> you know, that was like his main goal. 
uh, Conjuring 1, there was some semblance of a traditional film. And then even more so with Insidious, I think. Like, that felt like just kind of like a, a standard drama with horror and scare, uh, jump scare elements in it, you know. And it's for that reason I thought it was, you know, a little bit boring. Like, I felt like it was just kind of by the numbers. Um, that's not to say I hated it or anything, but, you know, I wasn't like a huge, huge fan of it. Um, let me go through some of the um, particulars. Oh, I should rewind a bit. I just want to talk a little bit about my experience watching this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I went in. Um, I was, I was kind of fearful <laughs> of watching this when I popped that little DVD into my player. Um, I was ready to to be scared, and I was kind of scared to be scared. <laughs> you know, um, so. Um, this was just last Thursday night and, um, my wife was, um, reading bedtime stories to my son, Simon. They were in a different room. I was out in the living room all by myself. Um, I, uh, I didn't turn the lights off all the way because I was too scared for that. I kind of dimmed them though. So I kind of dimmed them a bit to set the tone and, um, pop the disc in and, uh, I was ready to go. Um, and like I said, I was scared even before the movie started. And then to comfort me, my cat Smokey jumped right on my lap. It's almost like he knew I was scared and he wanted to like comfort <laughs> me. So I felt really good about that. Uh, so I'm glad Smokey was in my lap almost the whole movie. So that helped because like I said, this wasn't as scary as the Conjuring movies, I think, but it was certainly scary. There were some, some moments that were, were legit scary as hell and um yeah let me call out a few of the scarier moments so um oh this is good so yeah these few moments i'm gonna call out i think they were like the beginnings of james wan discovering how to scare the audience and he really like mastered it with the conjuring movies i think but he was like starting to figure it out here right one of them was um, earlier in the movie, the Rose Byrne character, she's the mom, um, she's like hearing stuff and she's like, what's going on, right? And then uh, she goes to her kid's room and she sees this figure outside like walking around, right? She sees like a silhouette. Yeah. And that's pretty fucking scary already because there's like supposed to be no one around, right? So I was like, who is that, right? And then there's this moment where that figure goes from just walking out outside mm-hmm. you know outside the window to like boom instantly like there's a guy inside the house like right away and i i like jumped out of my <laughs> seat you know it scared the fucking hell out of me you know um again james wan doing his thing okay another really scary moment um the uh oh we talked about like children being used yeah. So there's like, there are multiple ghost characters, right? There's one primary demonic figure, like this red-faced dude. Mm -hmm. But there's a number of like demons in this movie, right? One of them is a little kid. So there's this little kid wearing like like a newsboy hat. 
he's like he feels like he's like from the 30s or something yeah. you know uh-huh. and he's like he's like laughing <laughs> yeah you know yeah, yeah. all the time it's fucking creepy as hell dude <laughs> um so there's a scene that features this kid and uh rose Byrne again she's like she's like thinking she's losing her mind and she sees like traces of this kid running around like giggling um it's hella creepy dude it's super scary um and also like the red-faced demon like the main evil spirit of this Uh movie yeah there's a really scary moment where um he is like revealed and very suddenly you know i think you see him like right behind the patrick wilson character (laughs) right and it just like boom like Uh totally unexpected all right and again it was like one of my jump out of the chair (laughs) kind of moments uh so it definitely had its thrills uh there's no question about that and um there's no doubting that james wan was figuring out like how to do this shit like how to scare people um i just feel like he really he really mastered those techniques in the conjuring movies Mm -hmm. um and this one is just a little bit more minor leagues um so can't say i have a big recommendation for this one uh but uh, there, there were definitely a lot of thrills and a lot of fun uh, with Insidious. No question. Okay, great. Okay, final thoughts. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I feel like maybe there's a little bit of disappointment here because I think both of us were kind of excited to introduce these movies that we really liked to each other <laughs> and i think both of us kind of had a lukewarm reaction right like what what's your feeling about my take on insidious you know kind of like after watching it, i was like okay i can understand why henry recommended it to me oh you're talking about the shining yeah okay yeah um because like after even watching the trailer for suspiria i was like okay I could get what kind of horror films. Oh, okay. Into. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I was kind of like, like Reese, I was kind of like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's it. Like, not kind of Right. Like, I guess we both have different likes to the horror genre. Mm, you know? Yeah, yeah, which is cool, which is cool, uh-huh. definitely. Um, but yeah, specifically on Insidious, though, like, like, was that what you were expecting? Did you expect me to really love this movie? Or... I did, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I thought yeah. Were, I thought you would like it, like like The Conjuring films. Yeah, I think, again, if The Conjuring movies didn't exist, I probably would have liked this a lot, a lot more. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just that when I was watching it, it's like, this has kind of been done better. You yeah. know, that's kind it's of like my once feeling. Once you've had the, like, the high bar, it's like you can't go... You can't enjoy some of the other yeah, than that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, it does really beg the question about Aquaman. Like, clearly Aquaman is not a horror movie. I don't know if it, it will even have horror elements in it. Um, so, we'll see. It might be kind of disappointing because I feel like James Wan really is a master of horror. And... You know, I'm sure it was difficult to turn down doing a big superhero movie like Aquaman, but it's sort of like by taking on Aquaman, he's sort of 
skipping giving the world another awesome horror movie you know uh so we'll see but i'm prepared to be disappointed a bit because there's no way that aquaman will be anything like the experience of his best horror movies you know of a, of a conjuring movie you know mm-hmm. yeah i'm interested i'm like for for me i'm the exact opposite i'm interested in aquaman and what james Wan has to offer yeah um i do kind of expect there's gonna be like some horror elements that can be used with aquaman um mm-hmm. you know especially fighting um what's his name black manta yeah and patrick wilson starring him since they've done lots of works together in CDS and The Conjuring. Mm-hmm. So I'm just really interested in seeing how this is going to play out. I'm very excited for this film. Okay. Now, now that I know he's directing it. Okay, that's that's a positive take. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing it. I'm just very hesitant, you know. Yeah. Um, it should be noted, too, that Insidious... I thought this was, was a typo at first, but Insidious is not a rated r movie insidious is a pg-13 movie and that's pretty interesting you know there's no way that i would watch this movie if i was 13 years old (laughs) i'll say that right now (laughs) it scared the hell out of me when i watched it just the other night um but it sort of begs the question you know if he was able to have such a scary movie rated pg-13 do you think maybe he'll, you know, have some of those elements in Aquaman? Um, because, you know, he doesn't need a rated R to scare you. Um, the answer to that, I think, though, is is no. He's not going to have horror elements in Aquaman. Because, you know, like, it's like a, a mainstream superhero movie. A lot of kids are going to watch it. He's not going to, like, scare the hell out of a little a bunch of little kids, right? Yeah. Um, I'll be looking for a little, a little hints of, of his uh, previous film. So let's see if uh, there's any style points or yeah, uh, I, homages, whatever you know. I feel like there could be some style points, like what Christopher Nolan did for the Dark Knight trilogy. Like if you look at his other works, they're just freaking trippy, like Inception and The Prestige. The Dark Knight ah. definitely has some elements in there about just kind of like being dark and thought-provoking a little you Mm -hmm. know yeah good point good point we'll see we'll see oh one last thing um you know uh, another positive on insidious um the movie is is very dark and bleak but um i did like that part where um that paranormal team is brought into the movie and it's kind of funny right there are these two kind of goofballs yeah with this older woman as as the leader of this group um that was kind of fun and and she refers to this uh this like ghost dimension as the further you know kind of kind of fun cool stuff um but i just wanted to call it out not only to say that you know it was a fun part of the movie but also one of the guys on this paranormal team looks very much like a younger Stanley Kubrick, the director of The Shining. So much so that I think it was done on purpose. Um, I don't have any sort of proof on this, but (laughs) that's my feeling. And I definitely thought of it when I was watching this movie because I know you were watching The Shining as I was watching (laughs) Insidious. So it kind of tied it all together. Kind of fun. 
Um, again, I don't know if that's official, but in my mind, <laughs> that was done on purpose. <laughs> um, when I say younger, it wasn't like the young Kubrick who made Doctor Strangelove and that sort of thing, but younger in that, you know, yeah. not dead yet. And specifically, the Kubrick who directed The Shining. Like, I've seen some behind-the-scenes footage, behind footage of him. He looked then very much like this guy in Insidious looked when they were shooting Insidious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm telling you, it looks just like him. I'm telling you, it, it must be some sort of uh, homage or something. Uh -huh. Yeah. And with that, we can wrap up the episode. This is Farewell from Henry and Porfirio.